Uh, we want to start off and just say, if you are a visitor here for the first time, we are so glad you are here. Can we give a hand clap for those that have come here for the first time? We have a uh, Connect card right there in your bulletin. If you wouldn't mind just filling that out, take it on over to the Connect desk. It's right there. We'll give you this awesome tumbler that you can head over to Tony Ada's and get hooked up with some free coffee. I recommend the Cubanito. Anyway, uh, I want to also just acknowledge those that are tuning in online. Hello. We're glad you're here. You are family. We're excited. And uh, today, I want to just go ahead and dive right into the message. We've been going through the Blessed series, and the blessed title that I have is Blessed to Have a Father Who Carries Us. And for those that don't know, uh, I grew up here locally. I went to Mariner High School, uh, my junior, senior. Yeah, give it up. There you go. Fighting Tritons. That's why I'm in all black today. Uh, anyway, uh, sophomore, junior, senior year, I decided I was going to run track. It was going to help me out with my football game. And so I went to go try out, and the coach saw me run. And he's like, well, I'm sorry, son. You're not really fast enough for sprints. Uh, he goes, but you don't have the lungs for long distance. He goes, I'm going to go ahead and stick you in the quarter mile. For those who know the quarter mile is, it's where you run basically just one lap around the track. I'm like, I can do that. No problem. That's easy. So he says, go. And he sets off the thing. And I start taking off. And I realize that this is a nonstop sprint for a quarter of a mile. About 10 feet in, I'm like, I think I'm going to die. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to die on this track. But I was fascinated by guys that could do that event because you have to be fast enough to run it at a high level, but you also have to have the lung strength to hold it for a quarter mile. And so at that time, in the 92 Barcelona Olympics, there was a guy by the name of Derek Redmond. And I was fascinated by his story because one thing that Derek did, he was running for England. He had actually broke the British record for the fastest 400 times. This guy was no joke. He was going to the culmination of his dream to be in the Olympics. And it says that as he began to, you know, basically run his first one, he literally posted his fastest time he ever did. He won the first round. So he's getting closer and closer and closer to his dream. By the time he got to the quarterfinal, he won it. He beat everybody. So imagine you're now one race away from qualifying for the Olympics. There's one thing you've done all your life, and that's run. And now you're about to go to the highest level of that. So he was in the final race called the semifinal. He just literally had to just qualify, and then he was there. The shot went off. He takes off running. 250 meters into the 400 meter, his hamstring broke. Now, just to describe that, it sounds painful, but this is actually what it looked like. Can you imagine what that felt like? Can you imagine to be that close to the, your dream, that close to the thing that you've worked your entire life for, and now you've watched everyone literally leave you in the dust. Today, I want to submit to you that we have a Father who is blessed to carry us when we fall. That is a blessing. That is something to be excited about this morning. But you can't experience that until you've fallen. Now, that hit home firsthand for me. Uh, for those who also don't know, I grew up in Ybor City. I don't know if you know Ybor City. It's the inner city portion of Tampa. My father was a tile painter. If you're familiar with the Columbia Restaurant, very famous restaurant, my dad did most of the tile work on that restaurant. And so I grew up in the inner city part of Tampa. And so if you're like an inner city kid, you're a city kid, kind of grew up a little different. In my case, I never learned how to ride a bicycle. There was no need to. Everything was in two blocks. I could ride my skateboard. I could walk to it. That's just the way it was. While all my other friends at school were like busting out their brand new BMX bikes, I'm like, yeah, well, uh, I walked two blocks to Anyway, point was, I just didn't have that skill. So one thing me and my father would do every night 
in Ybor City when it was nice and quiet and, you know, how hot it is in Florida, we would take these bike rides together. Now, when I say bike ride, he just put me on the top part of the bar of the bicycle and we whipped through Ybor like super fast. I loved it. I mean, when you're seven, eight years old, it's, it's the amazing thing. I'll go ahead and give you a little picture of what I look like. back. Oh, look at that boy. Oh, got a little afro, a little freckles. Anyway, that was me at that age. And I loved it. I loved it because it was my time to connect with my dad. It was my time to just feel like he was in control. Well, what happened was he turned, not really abruptly or anything. I just wasn't paying attention. And next thing I knew, I flew off the bicycle and my head crashed right into the side on the sidewalk. Now, I don't remember much of this. I just remember falling. And I remember everything kind of being in a haze and not really knowing what was going on. Well, I had suffered a concussion and blood was pouring out of my ear at the time. Now, if you're a father, you know how scary that is to see your kid like that. I don't remember much about that happening, but the one thing I always remember was my dad picked me up and he carried me to the hospital. We are blessed to have a father who carries us. Now, in this message I was sharing, this was not intended, but literally last night I was out with my, my three boys and we were at Happy's and I was on the other side of the place, this little amusement park thing, these little bounce houses, and I was watching my two-year-old. All of a sudden I hear, go, 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 something's wrong. And I ran over and I realized there was my oldest laying on the ground just writhing in pain. So you never really know exactly what's happened. So I just was like, are you okay? And he, I could tell this was for real. He couldn't get up. He couldn't move. He said, Dad, I bent my toe, and I, can't, I just can't move. So I knew the only thing that I was going to do as a good father was to pick him up and carry him. And I carried him to the car, and I carried him from the car into our house. And I may have to carry him some more until he gets better. The point is, when my son was broken, I was there to carry him. If you are broken today, your father is there to carry you. Mm. Let's go ahead and... Uh, but let's look, at, let's look at a story that kind of talks about this. In Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11, it is the story of the two sons, or what we might know as the prodigal son. Now, this story is being told by Christ is a series of multiple stories that he's talking about God, the Father, and his love for his creation. He's talking about how he pursues his creation, that those that are lost, that he runs after them. And so I feel like this is his culmination story, is the story of the two sons. So it starts with this younger son. And it goes on, it says like this, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Let's put this in sort of a modern day context. Picture, if you will, Bill Gates and his two kids. Can you imagine one time if the youngest of Bill Gates' two only sons woke up one day and said, Dad, give me my half of Microsoft right now? That's a hookup. <laughs> That's a lot of money. Well, I want to paint that picture and let you know that your father in heaven has a lot more than Bill Gates does. That the inheritance that our father has in heaven for us is not only heaven, which is an amazing thing, but on this earth, he has peace for you when everything seems like it's going sideways. That God has everything you need and so much more. That he is a loving heavenly father. Now sometimes it's hard for us to picture him as that because sometimes we haven't had great earthly fathers model what that is to us. But I'm here to let you know that your father in heaven is there to carry you in every situation. But this is what happens. This younger son looks at his dad and he says, I wish you were dead. 
what? That's not what it said. That's not what you just read to me. Well, you have to understand the context. For a Jewish son to say to his father, give me my inheritance, give me half of my estate, give me everything that's coming to me, essentially is to say, I wish you had died. Now, we don't understand that our context. We think of inheritance and trust funds and things like that that we have now available for our our kids. But in Jewish culture, you didn't get any of it until the father passed away. So for him to go, you know what? I want my inheritance now. He literally looked at his father and said, you're dead to me. Now, why am I saying that? Because in this story, the father is God the father. And in this story, the prodigal is all mankind because all like sheep have gone astray. All of us have looked God in the face and said, I don't want nothing to do with you. You're like, what are you talking about? Well, if the Bible says that we have all sinned, that means all of mankind is under condemnation. Now, when that quote that I see sometimes on my atheist or my agnostic friend's social media, they like to put up there, God is dead. It's a Nietzsche quote. I'm here to let you know that when you say God is dead, God does not keel over with a heart attack. Sorry. You can say all you want about him. It doesn't change the character of who he is. But what you're really saying is, to me, God is dead. So what this kid says in his story, he's like, I know you're alive. I know you're real. I know you have everything I want. But to me, you're dead. Give me my inheritance. I'm going to go my own way. And unfortunately, to all the prodigals, to anyone in this room right now that maybe you've lived that life, maybe you have a kid that's in a prodigal state right now. I'm here to let you know that just as you love that child, the father loves him even more. Hmm, it's a good thing. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to uh, verse 13. It says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country where he squandered his wealth in wild living. Isn't it interesting that you notice in this story that the father lets him go ahead and do his own thing? And then what does the son do? He doesn't set up shop right next to him. He doesn't say, I'm going to build a little condo right here, right next to dad with all his money. He tries to get as far away as possible. The truth is, because we are like sheep who all go astray, is that we are literally on the run. We are trying to get as far away from God and the things of God. You ever try to invite somebody to church that's on the run from God? <laughs> They're like, uh-uh, I can't walk in there. I'll burst into flames. It's just a building, guys. No one's going to attack you if you walk through here and you don't know who Jesus is. We love you, actually. But let's be real. The things of God remind us sometimes of how far we are away from the Father. And that's what this kid does. He gets as far away as possible. And once he gets as far away as possible from his father, he tries to do whatever he wanted to do. The sad thing is, this is where most of us are. I mean, let's be real. How many good church kids, once they hit college, they decide, I'm out, I'm going to do whatever I want? It's a sad reality. And you may be heartbroken right now as I tell this story because you're like, that's my kid. You may be in that state right now. You've been running from God. You might be watching right now online. I'm here to let you know if you're a prodigal, you're online, and you're watching right now, God wants to call you home. He wants to bring you back. That's the father that we serve. Mm. He didn't want to be reminded of his father's presence. That's the reality of what it was. In verse 14, it says this, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. I'm here to let you know that you might have it all. You might get everything you want in life. That's the part you can control. But life will hit you, and that's the part you can't control. Stuff happens. Sickness happens. Financial ruin happens. Divorce happens. Things happen. 
And that's what happened here. He could have controlled how much he spent, but he chose to blow it all. He couldn't control the famine that hit his life. You will have a famine hit your life sooner or later. Something is going to leave you in a state where you're empty. You cannot control that. And it says there was a severe famine in the country, and he began to be in need. I have to believe sometimes God sends bad situations to wake us up. So easy to blame him. God, why would you do this to me? He's like, well, that's the only way I can get a hold of you. Sometimes a famine has to hit us for us to wake up to what's really going on. It goes on to say in verse 15, So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He hits rock bottom. He sinks even lower. He's got got nothing. The only way that he can literally try to eat is to be doing the one thing that is the complete opposite of him. What am I talking about? Well, the reality is in 2017, like we got no problem with pigs. Pigs aren't really a bad thing. In fact, let me get very deep and theological. I love bacon. It's beautiful. Bacon's probably the only food that you can burn to a crisp and still be like, ah, it's pretty good. (laughs) Put it on your salad, whatever. We don't really have a problem with pigs. So when I read you this story and I say, well, he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the field to feed his pigs, it's kind of like, well, what's what's the problem? He's got a job, right? Well, the, the fact that he had to become a pig farmer, the fact that he had to feed pigs was the complete opposite of everything that he as a Jewish man would be about. Pigs were off limits. The Old Testament said that is a food that is unclean. You are not allowed to eat it. Even Hasidic Jews today, Orthodox Jews today, not only will they not touch anything with pigs, if they find even the slightest type of pig additive in their food, they won't touch it. It has to be kosher. So pigs to a Jewish person, this represented the complete opposite of where you could be. And that's where he wound up. But let's be real. We love pigs in America. I think one of the reasons why I became a Christian and not a Muslim is because I can still eat bacon. That's why. I mean, yes, Lord. Santo. Santo for your pigs. Anyway, uh, I want to show you a picture that shows how much we love pigs. This is my six-year-old's favorite show. Every morning, I'm in the other room. And it's like 6.30 in the morning. I hear, hello, Peppa. Hello, Susie. Like, I have it memorized. We, we make pigs look all comfortable. They're all cute. They're cuddly. It doesn't really dawn on us of what a pig actually is, especially to a Jewish person. Well, first of all, pigs represented pagan religion. The pig was an integral part of being a pagan. That's a big reason why God put it off limits. He says if you're going to eat the pigs, you're going to literally end up hanging out with those that don't know who Christ is, don't know who God is. And so today, you will find yourself, if you're on the run from the Father, you're going to find yourself with a lot of people that don't have any interest in who Jesus is. Not only that, pigs fed on the garbage of society. Pigs would eat anything. Pigs at that time were filled with parasites and death. You will find yourself, if you run from the Father, sinking lower and lower and just literally getting to the point where all you have is death. Now, again, I know this doesn't really connect because we love bacon, lettuce, and tomatoes. So I want to give you a visual. It might make you squirm a little bit to maybe make this hit home a little bit more. We live in Florida where we are infested with these tiny killer animals that sprout wings and fly at us in the middle of the night. Go ahead. Oh yeah, there they are. Exactly. When I put this picture up, you guys start, you're like, nah. There's a whole industry built around getting rid of those things. Cockroaches, to us, are disgusting. 
Why? Because they feed on death. They bring disease. They're not fit for consumption. But can you imagine this guy sinking so low that that's now his job? That's what will happen when we decide that we don't want anything to do with our father. He hit the lowest of the low. He got comfortable with low living. It says in verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Isn't that interesting? That a guy who had it all, that squandered all his money, I'm sure he had a lot of people hanging on. I'm sure he had a lot of people that loved to be around him when he had everything, and yet here he finds himself at the lowest of the low, and no one's there. Those friends were never friends. They deserted him. But isn't it amazing to know that the father never deserted him? That in this story, the father never once abandons his kid, never once says, he's done, he's dead to me. Goes on to say this, verse 17 and 18. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And yet here I am starving to death. I will set out. I will go back to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Sometimes we got to hit rock bottom to wake up. Sometimes we have to get to our lowest of our low to realize who God really is. And now when I say that, some of y'all were like, amen. You know why? Because some of y'all, that's what your story is. You had to be strung out on drugs. You had to be hitting rock bottom with alcoholism. You had to go through a divorce. You had to go through financial ruin to realize that you had maybe been on the run from your father. And just like the prodigal in this story, you came to your senses. But the thing is, you know what he says right there? He doesn't go, well, I'm his kid. I'm going to go back and redemand what I deserve. I'm going to go back to my father with the same arrogant attitude that told him he was dead, and I'm going to go demand what is rightfully mine. What is his answer? How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Here I am starving to death. Why am I living this way? Today, if you're watching and you're living at the lowest of the low, you don't have to. I hope you wake up and come to your senses, and I hope you realize is that you don't have to just get by. What God offers to you and me is so much more. He says, I'll give you abundant life. I'll give you so much more that you ever experience in this world. Why? Because I walk with you and I carry you. He says, I'll go back to him. I'll say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. He goes on to say in verse 19, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. The truth of the matter is that we are not worthy to be called God's kids. The truth of the matter is he makes us worthy to be called God's kids. That's the truth of the gospel. That's what the gospel says. The gospel says that while you were still a sinner, Christ came and died for you. The gospel says that no greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. You've messed up. I've messed up. God had a standard to shoot for. That's called his target, his holiness, his perfection. But when we sin, that means to shoot for a target and a miss, we fall short of it. And the consequence of that is to be separated forever. But the amazing thing is that's why Jesus came. All the punishment you deserve, all the wrath that we deserve, you and me and the entire mankind who ran from the Father, it was poured out on Christ. And now all he simply says is come to your senses, humble yourself, and admit, admit that you can't make it without him. Now this is where I love the story because right here in verse 20, it says he got up, he went to his father. 
But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. I have to believe that every morning when that kid was gone, that that father got up and he looked off in the distance and said, is today the day my son comes back? See, it says that he saw him far off. The father sees you from far off, and he starts to draw you to himself. The father sees you, and he says, come home, my kid. You've been doing it on your own. You've been messing up. You got nothing. He wakes up in the story. The father wakes up and goes and looks. In fact, he says he saw him and took off running. Your father runs to you. When you are broken, when you are hurting, when you are struggling, your father runs to you. It says that he was filled with compassion, that he threw his arms around his kid and he kissed him, he embraced him. We don't come to the throne with nothing more than our own unrighteousness and he gives us his righteousness and says, come home, my kid, you're mine. Now, I wanna end with this. When my son was very little and he was my only son, I would do two things. I would, I would uh, we'd do a little Bible story and we'd pray. And when he was really little, I would, give him, <laughs> I would give him like two kisses on his forehead like I was some sort of mafia godfather Don. You know what I mean? I'm Sicilian. I guess it's part of my nature to do that. <laughs> and then he would turn around and he would give me one kiss on my cheek. And this was sort of like our ritual we would do every night. But as he got older... I was like, eh, he's probably not going to want me to keep doing this. He's not want mushy dad stuff, you know. And I remember, you know, we prayed, we read the Bible, whatever, and I got up. I said, all right, buddy, good night. And I got up, and I began to walk out. And he was a little older. He was like 9, 10, something like that. And he goes, Dad. I'm like, he goes, 1, 2. <laughs> I said, what? He goes, you know, 1, 2. I'm like, you still want that? He's like, of course. So I gave him two kisses on his forehead. He kissed me on my cheek, and we've never stopped doing that. Because why? He's my son, and I embrace him, and when he falls, I carry him, and I run to him. But you know what? Even in my own sinful nature, even in the ways that I let him down or I let anyone down, can you imagine the love that the Father has poured out on us? Today, you are blessed to have a Father who carries you. So I want to end um, by finishing the other story. So what other story? Well, you know, I started with that depressing story about the track guy who never made it. Well, I only told you half the story. Because to me, the greatest part of this story is not that he fell or got up, but what his father does in the story. See, I didn't tell you the whole story. Is that Derek's dad was in, this, was in the stands. He was like a coach to him, a mentor to him. He was his supporter. And I have to believe our father in heaven is in the stands and he's watching us. He's watching us when we try to do it on our own. And he's watching us when we fall. He's watching us when we feel like this life is over. And he runs to us. Now I want to end with just this last video to give you a visual of what actually happened in the story. Of how his father ran to him and carried him. And today we're going to end on that note. But what I want to uh, just encourage you is this. If you've been the prodigal son in that story, it's time for you to come home. We have a prayer room right here, and after worship ends, if you need somebody to pray with, you want to give your life to Christ, they would love to pray with you in there. If you're here and you're like, well, you know, I gave my life to Christ at one point in my life, but the truth of the matter is I've been on the run from God, and and today is the day I want to come home. I know who he is. I know who my father is, but I've been trying to do it on my own. When we end, please, there's people in there that would love to pray with you. And finally, maybe you're here, you're like, man, I've been walking with the Lord 
I've been living for him, but I got a prodigal son or daughter. And this just wrenches my heart. They would love to stand with you and, and agree and, and believe that God would touch them too. And so we're going to end with this video. And I want you to keep in mind how the Father runs to us and how the Father carries us. That's Derek in the middle, in the blue. How often do we take off? Life is going great. We got it all figured out. We're on our own way. We feel like we can make it on our own. And then all of a sudden, life hits you. You feel like the world passes you by. You feel like your dream is over. You feel like you're not going anywhere. You're broken. The whole world sees you falling apart. Like I said in that story, his father was watching his son struggling to make it. He said, I'm going to try and finish this race. Everyone around him was telling him, you're disqualified. The race is over. He said, no, I'm going to finish. And that's us. This is humanity struggling to get through. And then our father shows up. Oh, look out. Watch out. It says that what he said to his kid later, I found out. He said, come on, let's finish it together. This might be how you feel today. <laughs> Sometimes the devil tries to run up on us too. <laughs> That's when our father looks at him. Father looks at the enemy. He's like, uh-uh, not today, Satan. Get out of here. <laughs> Your father fights for you. He didn't leave you. He carries you when you can't make it. They were telling him over and over, don't finish the race, man. You're disqualified. They were saying, you can't, do, you can't be here. Get out of here. That's my kid. When the enemy or the world or yourself tries to tell you you can't make it, your father is there to embrace you. You are blessed to be carried. You are not alone. You are not alone. His career might have been over, but his relationship with his father never ended. Today, you're not over. If you need someone to pray with you, we would love to do that. Let's pray right now. Lord, we come before you now. We are lost without you. We are broken, sinful, helpless people in need of our father. Lord, I pray that we would just grasp the understanding of how great and how wide and how amazing your love is, how that you run to us, how that you carry us. We call, you answer, you come to our rescue, Lord. We love you. In your name, amen.